All right. Don't hit Max back. Yeah, there you go. Pull it. <laughs> Lots of people come to Lake Tahoe to gamble. One, two. Growing up, we couldn't pass through Lake Tahoe without pulling over to put a few bucks into a slot machine at a casino like this one. You can't lose, man. I know. Let's just bet two. Let's go big time. Ooh, nerves. Oh, it's time to go. I came out with the same amount of money. Stacy Noyce is the president of Lakeside Inn and Casino in South Lake Tahoe. I'm with her on a weekday at around noon. Where are the locals casino? Everyone's at work. Graveyard's fun too though, because then all the other dealers that just got off shift at 11 o'clock at night up the street will come down here. Tahoe used to be one of the only places in America where you could gamble in a casino. Now there are concentrations of casinos on the north and south shores. Then Indian gaming came. This was a huge threat to Tahoe because people can now gamble close to their homes. Which brings us to today. Stacy says climate change is forcing even casinos to think differently. There's often less snow, more sunny days, and many casino guests now prefer to spend time outside instead of staring at a slot machine. Casinos were cheap and cheerful, get people in with cheap food, cheap rooms, and they're just naturally going to end up in the casino and play. And that's not the case anymore. Okay, that surprised me. Climate change is challenging the old way of doing things, even for casinos. Businesses near the casinos were one of the first to make a move. Ski resorts started capitalizing on all those sunny days by creating more summer activities. Thankfully, Heavenly led the way first with their, what, $80 million investment. That really was a game changer instead of just waiting for the summer volumes and the winter volumes. Heavenly is a ski resort accessible from the casino strip in South Lake Tahoe. It now offers things like zip lining in the summer. Stacy says casinos are learning and benefiting from these big investments. We as casinos did not market all the great things that Heavenly has to offer or the sleigh rides or the beach even. We wanted people in these walls and didn't want them to leave. As a result, she says casinos are directly marketing the outdoors. Her casino has a whole page on it on their website. But Stacy says the biggest change of all is that longer summers, fluctuations in snowpack, and people's smaller appetite for gambling have forced casinos to work together. It used to be fierce competition, and we shared no information, and we certainly wouldn't share employees. Now, 50% or more of my job is working collaboratively with the other general managers, and it's about the future, and it's about our community. The casino industry is just one of many unexpected places in Tahoe that climate change is disrupting. But casinos have money. What happens if you're a Tahoe local, work three jobs, and don't have a huge savings? How do you survive? These aren't just theories anymore. I don't want the snow to go away. Yes, Tahoe will change. I kind of feel like that endangered pika. Tahoe doesn't control climate change. It's a victim of it. From Capital Public Radio, this is Tahoe Land. It had always snowed by the third weekend in September, but that doesn't happen anymore. I want to see our forest restored so that Tahoe doesn't burn the way Paradise did. Chasing the snow is a huge part. It's about the lake, that's why everyone's here. There are a lot of green lakes, there aren't very many blue ones. I'm Ezra David Romero. We've talked a ton about how Tahoe's winter identity is changing. It's affecting everyone around the lake, rich and poor, old timers and new residents. But what I want to focus on is something that visitors may not think about, 
the locals who make sure tourists enjoy Tahoe. I'm talking about housekeepers, people who work in casinos, and guys who make beer. The climate crisis is forcing them all to adapt in order to make it. You know, for some, it's heart-wrenching. But for others, it's giving them a new vision for Tahoe's future. Welcome to Tahoe Land. A simple change in weather, like a longer summer or too much snow in the winter, can put entire families in jeopardy or force them to move out of Tahoe. Laura Alvarez's family of five is one of them. After 13 years in Tahoe, they're considering moving after her husband didn't work for a month and a half. Do you think your family will stay here? Well, thinking go to Gordonville, but my kids want to stay here. So because the kids here is expensive. We need to go to Reno for the groceries. Reno is more than an hour away from South Lake Tahoe. Her husband works in construction. He left a full-time job with low wages for seasonal work that pays better. But you see, it's not always consistent. Laura is saying that if there's a lot of snow, there's little work in construction and vice versa. She's also saying that when it snows, there's plenty of work in the casino industry. It's quite challenging for our community when the weather doesn't come on time. Bill Martinez is with the Family Resource Center. He's talking about the Latino community and says about 40% of the people in South Lake Tahoe are Latino, and many of them are from Jalisco, Mexico. That's where Lauda's from. He says living in Tahoe can be super tough, especially if you're employed by industries that rely on tourism like hotels. He says rents are high, there's limited housing, and people have to work multiple short-term jobs to make ends meet. With the changing in our global climate, it makes it more difficult to predict when you're going to be able to get fully employed for that season, whether it be winter or summer. If we get a heavy late winter, then some of our other summer recreational activities won't open up again um, until later in the season also. He's talking about things like marinas, campgrounds, and trailheads. Bill says if the boom and bust weather cycle gets worse, it may be hard for many low-income people to live in Tahoe. It's one of the most beautiful places on earth, but if you can't make a living, why would you continue to struggle year after year, and especially if your children are, are struggling also, to work three jobs and put food on the table and not be able to have that family time is very challenging for our Latino community. For Lauda and her family, the idea of moving is becoming more of a reality. When I spoke with her, the family was dealing with landlord issues and also having a hard time finding enough work to pay their bills. It's tough for her to work because she has kids and working would mean hiring a babysitter. But she says wages aren't high enough for that. Will you miss it, Lake Tahoe, if you go? See, si. si. When I drove by the lake, I was like, man, I want to live here. Si. I, mean, I don't think I can afford it. So as we've laid out, it can be really hard to make it in Tahoe. Our data reporter Emily Zentner is here to explain more. What's up, Emily? Hey, Ezra. Let's talk about jobs. Well, the news isn't great for jobs in Tahoe. 
The Tahoe Basin lost almost 2,500 jobs in the tourism and visitor serving industries between 2013 and 2015. That's according to a 2017 report from the Tahoe Prosperity Center. And these jobs disappeared in the middle of that incredibly long drought that we had that just ended this year. That's a lot of jobs in two years when there's not that big of a population here. It is a large amount of jobs to lose in two years, and it had an impact on the local economy. About 60 percent of Tahoe's economic output in a year comes from the tourism industry. So to see that kind of a loss in jobs in that industry, it's a big deal. And we're not in a drought right now, but droughts and other extreme climate events are going to be getting more intense in the future. And that's going to leave a lot of people who depend on seasonal work really uncertain. I mean, what if the season starts late? What if it ends early? Some years it might not even happen at all. So these people are left wondering where their money is going to come from in the next year. Yeah, and these workers are already vulnerable, right? You know, when I was in Tahoe earlier this year, I heard a lot of people use the term local season. It's sort of like adult swim when tourists go home and Tahoe residents who have money and free time can enjoy the beaches and the fun without all the crowds. But all that means it can be really hard for low-income people or seasonal workers who depend on those jobs. Yeah, and that intense boom-bust cycle is something that Heidi Hildrum from the Tahoe Prosperity Center would really like to see Tahoe work on. I believe that having a workforce that is not feeling that they have to work 80 hours a week for two or three months to make all of their money over the course of a season, or in the case of a business, uh, feeling like they have to you know, work their workers overtime for three months in the summer or three months in the winter, I think we would look at a more diversified economy as being supportive of both the community and economic progress. It's not just Tahoe that's seen this affordability crisis, right? There's cities across California and Nevada that are going through it and places like Reno and Las Vegas. Yeah. But can you drill down what this looks like in Tahoe? I don't think it would surprise anyone to hear that housing in Tahoe is super unaffordable for the people who live there full time. Even gas and groceries there are more expensive, which you see when you go up there and try to gas up your car. In a balanced housing market, half the people who live somewhere are able to afford to buy a medium-priced home. But in Tahoe in 2017, only 21 percent of people could afford that, according to the Tahoe Prosperity Center. That seems like a really small number. Is that because Tahoe is somewhat just like a vacationer's paradise? It is in part. So the interesting thing about Tahoe is that while housing there is really expensive for people who are trying to live there full time and make it on a Tahoe salary, it's actually kind of a bargain vacation market for people who live other places. So according to data I got from Zillow, South Lake Tahoe this summer, if you were looking for a home, you'd see a median price of about $440,000, which is a lot. But it's really low compared to somewhere like Aspen, where you'd be looking at a median home price of almost $1.7 million. But as you drive around the lake, the houses on the North Shore seem to get bigger and bigger. It seems like the housing prices would be a lot higher there. Yeah, so... First off, just to lay it out there, these are median home prices. So there's going to be homes that are much cheaper than this. There's also going to be homes that are a lot more expensive than this. So those crazy mansions you sometimes see in Tahoe, they're obviously not going for about $400,000. And up in the north, a place like Incline Village is actually on the higher end of Tahoe's housing market. But even on the higher end of Tahoe's housing market, 
the median home price is way lower than Aspen, Vail, or even San Francisco. Skylar Olson, who's Zillow's director of economic research, explained it to me. If we're talking about a, the secondary home market, you know, those homes could be very affordable to other places, other people in the country, right? They're buying their secondary property from somewhere else. Um, you know, they're bringing to bear incomes from L.A., incomes from San Francisco, incomes from Boston, incomes from other places, right? And so those there can't always afford those properties. In some places around the lake, the majority of housing is owned by second homeowners. In the part of Tahoe that sits in Placer County, 93% of the housing was taken up in the vacation home market in 2017. That's according to the Tahoe Prosperity Center. In the part of Tahoe and El Dorado County, which includes South Lake Tahoe, it was 78% in 2017. So in a lot of these places around the lake, the people who own homes are not the people who are living and working there full time. Yeah, I mean, for some people, like vacation homeowners or even us who go to Tahoe for day trips or the weekend, we might not be invested as well. You know, it's, it's a beautiful place to swim and recreate, but we might see all the issues or problems going on. So it sounds like this is a different reality for the people who live there or these workers that depend on these jobs. It is when I'm up in Tahoe and I'm swimming or hiking, it's not in the forefront of my mind how these neighborhoods are doing, what kind of things are going on there, what efforts are happening to improve Tahoe as a place to live. But for the people who live there full time, that's something that they worry about. So if you want to go deep on these issues and learn a little bit more, you can head to capradio.org slash Tourism, where we lay it out in some graphs. And you're also going to find a link to that Tahoe Prosperity Center report that I've been mentioning. Thank you, Emily, for explaining all this to us. Thanks, Ezra. So what are we drinking? That's the Citra, the Questing Citra Single Hop IPA. Cheers. Cheers. Okay, if you're like me, all this is pretty harsh to hear. That's why I'm grabbing a beer. I'm at South Lake Brewing Company. They're known for hoppy beers. It's definitely good. Yeah, I like like the Questing's really good. Obviously the Fog Nozzle. It's very orangey. Even the new things in Tahoe, like its dozen or so breweries and pub houses, aren't spared from the swings and weather. This year was a big snow year, but it came late. If the weather's really good, if the winter's really good, then skiing's good, we get people up here. If the winter's really bad, then it'll be a long winter for us. Ethan Lennox is the lead brewer. He says the lack of snow in December and January was tough on business, but then the snow hit hard, and all that heavy snow caused problems. So this year in February, we had a lot of issues with our production schedule, mostly just because we would go weeks at a time where we couldn't get deliveries out of Reno and trucks were just having to turn around on the highways. Even still, Ethan admits all that snow is ultimately good for business. Next year, we're probably going to be banking on the fact that a lot of people are going to book vacations for next year knowing that this is a good year. But if next year's not a very good year, then that's going to hurt for multiple years, right? We're not going to get those incremental tourists coming up. This brew house is interesting because they can withstand the blurring of winter and summer. They do good business in the summer. That's because about 70% of all tourists visit Tahoe when it's hot. During the summer when they hike and bike, they're really thirsty, and so they're coming in here to drink. Especially if the mountain biking season goes long, there's some phenomenal trails just right down the street that people can ride their bike from here. Two dudes that want to capitalize on this idea of more sunny days in Tahoe are Corey Rich and Chris McNamara. They moved from Sacramento and Marin to South Lake about 15 years ago. 
To me, they represent a cultural shift in Tahoe because of climate change. Some locals are becoming less reliant on the tourism economy. That's because they are remote workers, and others have started companies that don't depend on recreation. Here's Corey. What I love about Tahoe in general is that I was able to work for a few hours this morning, quickly drop my daughter off at school, run into the office, high-five everyone, say hello, check in, and here we are, you know, 45 minutes later, standing at the base of a cliff. The cliff is Castle Rock, about 20 minutes from South Lake. All right, I'll face my fears. All right, have fun. Take your time, look around. They say it's an easy to moderate climb, and I'm not afraid of that, but sometimes repelling back down freaks me out. Not sure where to put this foot. These guys have a big vision. They want to boost opportunities for people in Tahoe so they don't have to work multiple jobs just to get by. It's sort of the ultimate outdoor playground. But it's also just the lake is the key. It's, it's sort of the best of both worlds. You have that mountain recreation, bike, you know, trails, and then you have a lake. Corey and Chris feel like Tahoe is still an affordable place to live and maybe buy a house. But that's in a two-person home with decent-paying jobs. This is what Emily talked about. A place like South Lake Tahoe is affordable compared to other destinations like Aspen or Park City but not necessarily to people that already live there. Many locals say it can be really tough to make it in Tahoe, where the medium home price is around half a million dollars. But it's so much higher in places like Incline Village at around one million dollars. Here's Chris. It's affordable depending on your median income. And so when you have an economy that is so dominated by minimum wage and slightly more than minimum wage jobs, then yes, it is very hard to live here, for sure. But if you look at a family of two that combined makes somewhere near $100,000 and what their life looks like in the Bay Area or even Sacramento versus here, that's where it's dramatically more affordable. This new Tahoe they're describing is already gaining some momentum. There's even a tech hub in South Lake called Cowork Tahoe that's attracting remote workers. Corey and Chris's idea doesn't include everyone here in Tahoe. It focuses on boosting the middle class. It could leave out low-income workers who need multiple jobs to remain in Tahoe. I wouldn't say their vision discludes low-income people on purpose, and if there's a way to include them, they'd be down. They just want to see Tahoe become an economy that isn't regulated by whether there's a good snowfall or none at all. If you kind of step back and look at what's happened over the last 15 years, um, yeah, we have a climbing gym now. We have... Um, a Whole Foods coming in. We have all these things that have kind of, um, if you told someone that all those things were going to happen in 1970 when the casinos were kind of in their peak, they'd be like, no, nah, this is just a gambling town. I don't know what you're talking about. That, But the fact that it's now become a recreation town is, is pretty cool. Corey and Chris believe in this idea so much so, they bought the rights to call Tahoe the outdoor capital of the world. This should be an economy based around all the sustainable recreation that's possible to do here and all the growing number of jobs that can really be based anywhere. For example, Corey's production company could have been in the Bay Area, but it could also just as easily have been here. And so... The idea is to kind of bring back that um, middle class to have the economy still be very based in tourism, but to have it much more diversified so that 
when there is a bad snow year or when the economy tanks, the community doesn't get hammered like it has over the last couple decades when those things happen. These guys want visitors to leave Tahoe thinking, how do I convince my boss to let me work remotely in Tahoe? I think I'm going to come down. Okay. okay, this is the part I hate. Don't like this at all. I'm ready. <laughs> but it's actually not that terrible. To become a real outdoor recreation hub, they think Tahoe needs to evolve. Even scrape my knee. I know, I saw that, a little blood. <laughs> it's kind of a rite of passage. And evolving just might mean Tahoe needs to be more than a party place. We think of it as an outdoor capital, but if you ask most of my friends from the Bay Area, we're still Vegas in the mountains. We're still where you'd throw a bachelor party. That's great, but it's also not, I think, what we want this place to stand for. It seems like you take all this natural beauty around us, it should stand for, I think, a little more than an epic bachelor party. Like, it should be about how do you create world-class experiences with your friends and family. The people of Tahoe have a decision to make. How will communities, rich, poor, or middle income survive as the global climate crisis creates huge pressure locally? Some ideas aim to boost or bring in more outsiders into Tahoe, but that doesn't help everyone who calls Tahoe home, like Lauda, who we met earlier. All this has got me thinking about what a local tourism leader told me. Tahoe needs to grow up, and maybe that means realizing everyone is interconnected here in Tahoe. The only way to make smarter choices about this place's future is if everyone gets involved. No matter what kind of job you have or what part of Tahoe you live in, there is one unifying factor that is a major threat to tourists and residents alike. It's not bears or tourism. Is Tahoe fire ready? <laughs> no, there's still a lot to treat in the forest. I think after the campfire, it's really sinking into most people in the Sierra Nevada. We're all feeling a little bit nervous and scared. Our next episode is all about fire. And stick around after the credits for a Tahoe tidbit about how climate change is forcing the Forest Service to re-envision when to open trails. Tahoe Land is edited by Nick Miller. Sally Schilling is our podcast producer. Our digital editor is Chris Hagen. Emily Zentner is Tahoe Land's data reporter. Casey Sycamore is collecting your questions about Tahoe and answering them. Our website is built by Renee Thompson, Veronica Nagy, and Katie Kidwell. Linnea Edmire is the executive editor. Joe Barr is our chief content officer, and our associate producer is Gabriela Fernandez. And I want to give a big shout out to someone who's helped this podcast a lot. His name's Chris Bruno, and he works in marketing at Cap Radio. Our music is by artist Charles I. He's from Tahoe. To make sure you don't miss any episodes, subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Check out our website, capradio.org slash Tahoeland, for videos, photos, additional stories, and more. I'm Ezra David Romero. Thanks for listening to Tahoeland from Capital Public Radio. And I'm back. This time, I'm in charge of the Tahoe tidbit. All these extra sunny days in Tahoe are challenging the crews that manage trails for the Forest Service. Often, there's no snow on the ground, but restrooms, parking lots, and trailheads are still gated off. 
I'm hiking with Jacob Quinn on the Tahoe Mountain Road Trailhead. Jacob's the trail's program manager for the Lake Tahoe Basin Management Unit with the Forest Service. This is one of the first trail systems that opens up in the year. For me, after a big winter like this, I'm ready to get some dirt under my feet. The seven or so miles of trail leads to a lookout that's stunning. At the top, you can see the lake, South Lake Tahoe, and Fallen Leaf Lake. What so, are these orange-looking plants? Uh, which ones are you talking about? These trees that are like kind of orange on top. So these are willows. Oh, uh, those are willows. A little bit of a wetter area. It's really pretty. I'm here with Jacob because he says more and more people are coming to Tahoe for summer activities, not just for skiing. There are around 380 miles of trails managed by the Forest Service in the Tahoe Basin. Jacob lives here and often hears that trailheads are closed when visitors think they should be open. People who come to the area for recreation are persistent. When they drive up from a couple hours away, they get here, they see a gate, they don't want to stop and not use that facility. Uh, that was their plan. So we hear that demand from them, and then we recognize that there's opportunities to provide a longer season. Jacob's working on a plan to switch over from an old policy where trailheads open on the same date every year to a new strategy to open and close gates based on conditions. This could have a big impact on locals that manage these trails and facilities. The challenge with that is uh, our staffing levels. So if we open a facility, but we don't have the staff to clean the bathrooms, provide a safe, um, clean, hygienic experience for folks, take out the trash, uh, that's not great management, and that also creates issues. But Jacob says this could change if they get funding. The new policy could go into effect as soon as this winter. When he left, I finished the hike. If you want to do the steep part on the way up, you would just turn right there and go up Valley View. And that'll take you within about 20 minutes or so to the top. And you'll get this great view. It'll be beautiful. And there's signs up there. And then you'll just take Tahoe Mountain Trail back down. So you'll be able to complete that loop. Okay. So just follow the loop. Yeah. And that's what I did. All right. I think I'm over this mountain. There's the lake. Woo! At the top, baby. Ooh, it looks like it's raining down there. Oh, there's South Lake. That was an awesome hike. I definitely do it again. But this time, I'm really out of here. Thanks for listening to Tahoe Land.